0: Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Brinkinridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR.
1: Well, juror anonymity is is an important part of the jury system, but uh, maybe it's something we're starting to to lose control over. A couple of high-profile cases in Atlantic Canada raising all kinds of issues. You had, for example, last week a judge declare a mistrial in a high-profile murder case when he learned that a St. John police officer tracked all interactions that would-be jurors had with police and passed some of that information on to the Crown. Just two days after that, a judge in Nova Scotia dismissed the jury in a criminal negligence causing death trial after a juror questioned why a Crown prosecutor had searched her LinkedIn profile. So, So this is concerning. And I guess in this uh, social media era, you know, there, there are some issues there that, that we need to deal with. Look, and, and we've seen it in other cases before. Obviously, uh, the Gerald Stanley case in, in Saskatchewan, there are a lot of issues around juror selection and the ability to dismiss certain jurors. And, and there's a lot that goes into that from both, both the Crown and the defense. They're trying to shape the jury as much as they possibly can. And the more they can know about potential jurors you know, the more they they can try to uh, shape things a certain way and dismiss or include certain jurors based on whatever they can dig up on them. But that's not supposed to be the case. You think about it from the other side. Uh, If you're sitting on a jury and it's a a murder trial of uh, some kind of high profile gangster, someone connected to biker gangs or the mob or something else, you really want your name being out there? You really want them knowing the names of you and your other jurors? Right. So it's important to protect that information. And more to the point, as our next guest has been arguing, it's important to support jurors because sitting on juries can be a very difficult and stressful experience. In fact, Mark Ferrant uh, says that he suffered PTSD as a result of his own time sitting on a jury. And since then, he's been trying to raise the issue about ensuring that there is support for jurors. Support for jurors after their civic duty is done, allowing, for example, jurors to be able to talk about their experience uh, with a therapist or a psychologist without violating the confidentiality agreement, the one that stipulates that they're not allowed to talk about the trial with anybody forever and ever after. Now, so Mark Ferrant again, trying to raise uh, concern about these uh, very important issues, and he joins us on the line here this afternoon to talk more about it. Mark, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Okay, well, tell us a bit more then about what, what concerns you most about what you've been hearing about these these incidents in, in Atlantic Canada.
0: Well, my, my understanding is that juror privacy is an absolute, and uh, anonymity is is paramount when you're uh, ultimately selected to become a juror in, in a trial of any kind in the country. So that, as I understand it, is a guarantee. So the... the the uh, the media don't know anything about me. Um, the uh, Crown and Defence don't know anything about me, my name, my occupation, or anything about me. Those details are supposed to be, as my understanding is, um, only um, kept by the jury selection um, office and uh, certain members of the court, the judge, and the registrar. So the fact that jurors have been identified via social media um, is very 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 troubling
1: yeah so this ended up leading to a mistrial in a murder case so um you know it speaks to the significance of the story uh and a juror had been searched i guess it was on linkedin by the crown prosecutor i mean it's once you have somebody's name these days it's pretty easy to go look for them on facebook or linkedin or twitter or other social media uh what do we have in place to to stop that from from happening
0: well, my understanding is that the Supreme Court ruled a number of years ago that jurors' identifications were uh, were meant to be uh, remain private and and not disclosed to any parties outside of those that i that I mentioned earlier the The fact that so we I guess we still don 't really understand how those uh, names were passed on but one only has to really think about how Facebook operates now and the fact that you could take a photo of, of a group of people posted um, in Facebook and the facial recognition software will start to run in the background and potentially pull up people's identifications if they're on Facebook and as we know most people are. So it doesn't take a lot for you to, to do that. Um, and there was a case uh, in Quebec, actually, earlier this year. So we've had three cases in Canada where um, jurors' identifications were um, were you know disclosed or, or uncovered via social media and Facebook. That's what was happening in Quebec. And the fact that the only reason we, we seem to know about this is that the jurors themselves said, why is my LinkedIn profile being... Accessed and why is my Facebook account being accessed by somebody in either the police, uh, which was the case in the Olin trial, or the Crown itself in in Nova Scotia? It's really concerning. Like if you think back to the the days of like the 30s and racketeering and and you know um, leaning in on potentially somebody um, sitting in that panel. It, 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 I know it sounds. Um, Abstract, but it, for me, it really harkens back to those days where jurors' uh, own security is at risk.
1: Because police have the ability, I guess, and this goes back to even before someone would get uh, called for jury duty, they, they can do uh, background checks looking for criminal convictions, which would obviously exclude someone from, from sitting on a jury. But that's as far as it's supposed to go, isn't it? Well, and
0: again, it, it, different provinces have different mechanisms on how jurors uh how the data are acquired uh, in ontario for example it, it's a, it's acquired through uh, a separate department and supposedly all those criminal background checks have been scrubbed in the data set prior to the individual um, getting that summons. We don't really know. It's not really disclosed how that's done, but that's that's the assumption. And if it's not, then it probably should be right. We shouldn't be sending a jury summons to people who shouldn't be participating in the process to begin with. And obviously, all um, jurors have the opportunity to stand up and provide reasons for not being uh, a member of a panel, and most judges do ask that question before um, before the selection begins. Has anyone been a victim of crime, know somebody close to them who's been a victim of crime, or have you been convicted of a crime? And that's when you stand up and and address the court for whatever means uh, is necessary.
1: This this issue is is getting more attention, and I, I think a lot of that stems from from the work you've been doing uh, to call attention to these issues. Tell us a bit more about uh, Bill C four seventeen and and how this relates back to to this conversation.
0: Well, there was a. a, a, a... Justice Committee report that was released in May that had 11 recommendations for improving jury duty. And one of the recommendations was, was that there be a um, an amendment to the criminal code to allow um, a juror to uh, address any aspect of the trial, including deliberation, with a medical practitioner or clinician if it caused them ill health. So that's That's what Bill uh, C-417 is supposed to do. It's designed to uh, provide that allowance for a juror to talk openly about the trial. And that's been a a barrier for people getting uh, assistance uh, post-trial because when they've approached their family doctor or approached a psychologist or, or a potential clinician, many times we've heard, and it was the case with me, the, the clinician in, in, uh, in that case said, I can't talk to you because this is a, a legal matter and it's illegal for us to have a conversation because you're a juror. And so we're, we're removing that barrier with this bill and making it it, it much easier for, uh, for people to talk where it's appropriate.
1: Well, yeah, and it seems like a kind of issue that, that crosses party lines. you get the federal conservatives and the federal NDP both supporting this bill.
0: That's right. They both uh, supported it and uh, came together to present it in the House of Commons. And I'm hoping that all MPs who look at this bill will look at it on uh, nonpartisan lines and, and see what it, it, see for what it really is, which is um, a very um, modest but significant change to the criminal code to allow the public who, and, and jurors who've performed an enormous public service to get the help that they need
1: well yeah and we ask a lot of people i mean certainly sitting on these long gruesome murder trials as as an example can really take a toll on somebody as you can speak to firsthand and and so it is an important civic duty but it can come with with some real consequences
0: it it can and you know sometimes it's not even the it's not the graphic material sometimes it's it's the stress of the trial Mm -hmm. and in some cases we've heard from jurors it's it's you know, justice delivered doesn't necessarily mean um, a guilty verdict, right? Justice delivered is delivering um, a verdict. And so in some cases, that can be an acquittal where the facts don't meet a conviction. That doesn't mean it's an injustice. That means the jury did exactly what they could do with the evidence that was presented to them. But for some jurors, and I've heard from so many who've said this, they live with this guilt. They live with this this Anxiety and this, this sense of remorse, even though they know what they did was, quote-unquote, right, based on the facts, they still live with that guilt because they've heard the outcries of victims' families or the like, and they, they read about it in the media. when they, The media, uh, long after they've delivered the verdict, produces articles that says the jury got it wrong. And, you know, that's, that hurts. And some people have lived with that guilt for decades, And so, again, they weren't able to talk about it before. They weren't able to sit down and say to a a clinician, you know, this is what happened. It happened in the deliberation room. Now they can. They'll still never be able to speak about it openly, but at least they'll be able to speak about it with a clinician, um, a family doctor, or a psychiatrist.
1: And on the anonymity side, I mean, uh, you know, it's one thing for the Crown to be, uh, you know, trying to find out more about these, these jurors. That's concerning enough. But you think about, you know, potentially dangerous people who might be doing so. And that's another side of the stress that a lot of jurors got to deal with. You know, all of a sudden you've got the responsibility for putting uh, a potentially dangerous person behind bars, perhaps with potentially dangerous associates. That anonymity is, is obviously so crucial.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've heard from jurors who've, who've said that, um, you know, they were intimidated going to the parking lot um, during a trial itself, let alone afterwards wow. um, in small towns, you know, where everyone knows each other. And, and you're, you're going into the grocery store and, and the, the people, um, you know, some of the family members connected to that case are shopping with you. Um, not to mention those people who have been intimidated in, in, you know, leaving the courthouse and seemingly being followed. Um, it's not uh, it's not um, it's not fear mongering. There really there really are cases where that's happening. And so, you know, this is why so much more work needs to be done in this space to provide jurors with the same kind of um, privacy controls and security controls that are better in place for everybody else in the courtroom.
1: Indeed. Well, uh, we'll keep an eye on this story. In the meantime, people can uh, follow you on Twitter at Canadian Jury Help. That's CDN Jury Help. Mark, thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this.
0: Thank you so much, Robert. really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All
1: right. Well, thanks for joining us. There you go. That's uh, Canadian juror advocate Mark Ferrin, Some interesting thoughts from him uh, on the need to protect jurors and in particular protect juror anonymity.
0: Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.